everybody. Welcome back to the Millionaire Marriage Podcast. I am Taylor Kovar here with the Jeremy Gilliam, or JG as he's called here around the office. Uh, if you see me around town, just say, what's up, JG? What's up, JG? And you'll know who it is. It's Jeremy Gilliam. <laughs> Today, I'm, this, is a, this is one that I've kicked around doing for a while and come up with a huge long list, and so we're going to see what happens. These are the top six marriage myths. Let's do it. Me and Jeremy both work with newlyweds, work with young marriage, work, we've worked with teenagers in youth ministry, and there's always myths that surround marriage. Always. There's always something out there that this is going to be great or that's not going to be great. And so we're going to jump into them. We're going to talk about six of them today. Are you ready, Jay? Let's do it. Okay. Number one, number one, your true love will automatically know what to say and when to say it to make you happy. Wow. Yes, your one true love. If we are actual soulmates, Jeremy, you would know what to do right now. Yes, you would know what to say. I'm going to blame this on old Disney. Oh, sure. I'm going to blame this on the mouse um, for feeding us this. And they lived happily ever after. And they knew that they were soulmates because everything was just perfect and hunky-dory. And there were fireworks and all this stuff. There's, there's always fireworks. Always. That's not a myth. No, like, oh, like, that, that actually no, happens. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, oh. Y'all must not be real oh, soulmates man. if you didn't have fireworks. I yeah. guess I missed something. That's weird. <laughs> I'm sorry, Erica. No, but right. Media, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say Disney, we're raised to know, hey, Prince Charming comes along and yep. he knows exactly what to say and he knows exactly how to look and what to wear and everything just make everybody feel great, especially you. Man, this sounds like witchcraft. A little bit. So <laughs> Clairvoyance here. Yes. And so number one, marriage myth, your true love will automatically know. And I'm going to say if you actually are married and you have been married for more than seven hours, then you know, eh, probably not true. I think this is the whole like mind reading thing. Yep. They are just going to know. They're just going to know what it is I like, what I, what they're going to, they're going to be my world. They're going to be my everything. I definitely think that this is perpetuated by media for sure. So when me and Erica, here's a quick story to illustrate this. When me and Erica were engaged, she calls me up one day and she says, Hey, I just don't know. It's like, what? You don't know about what? She goes, I just don't know about us. And I'm like, hold on. <laughs> Hold on a second. Have you seen me? Yeah. I'm JG. Yeah, yeah. Like, what do you mean you don't know? Because I know. She goes, I just don't know. And I'm like, well, you can call me back when you do. And then, like, we didn't talk the rest of the day. I was hot. I was, I was like, what are you talking about? Like, yeah. we're going to get married in, like, two months. Well, come to find out. So I, I called I called my, my future brother-in-law, my brother-in-law now. I said, dude, what is going on? He goes, bro, I don't know. I'm going to talk to her, but I have no idea. And so come to find out, she had this idea that was perpetuated from some type of media that I was just going to be everything she needed, that she wouldn't need friends. She wouldn't need family that I would embody all of everything she would ever need ever. And I'm like, I can't do that. Like I can't be that, but it's like kind of this huge, this overarching principle. They're just going to know and they're going to be everything I need. That's a huge marriage myth. They're going to know what to say, when to say. That's a gigantic marriage myth. The person you're married to, they wake up in the morning and their breath stinks. They need their hair combed. They they have to get up and get fixed. They have to get up and get ready. They're not perfect. They're not angelic. They're human. They're not mind readers. At all. They're not. 
Yeah. And don't pretend that they are. Yeah. And I think you can look in the mirror and say, do you know everything? Right? Like, like, do you know everything? Because if you don't, that person doesn't either. And, and I think that's where we get a lot of things rolling or this myth kind of comes from is that person should be my everything. They should be my soulmate. We just click. Yep. We just click. And they know what to say and when to say it and how to hold me and everything. But in reality, I, they're making it up as they go too. Yep. I mean, that, that's what it is. And I actually had this conversation with a college kid the other day and he was like, I just can't wait to get, get my career. And then you start a business, man. Like, you, know, you just... Like, you just know everything. Like, you just got it. I was like, bro, let me just give you a little hint. I'm friends with a lot of business owners. We're all just making it up. Okay, like, we're all just <laughs> figuring it out as we go along. Okay, like, we know That's enough. Can, this is our business. We do our thing. But no one knows everything. I have random people come up to me all the time like, hey, what do you think about this stock or this random investment? I'm like, bro, I don't know. Like, Aren't you a financial advisor? Like, don't you do this for a living? I do, but... That XYZ random scenario or your great grandmother's uncle's brother's cousin's housekeeper's right. favorite stock. I don't right. I, I don't know. I don't track it. Well, it's gonna be the next big Amazon. Cool. Like, I'll check it out, but no, I don't know. And that's the same thing in your marriage. Like your spouse doesn't know everything. They don't know. They don't know that you want them to wake up and give you a hug after you brush your teeth. Yeah. They don't know that that you want certain things out of that relationship or that you need certain things out of that relationship unless you tell them yep. they're not mind readers. And yep. so, so the number one marriage myth there is your true level automatically know what to say, when to say it, how to do it, whatever else to make you happy. And that's, that's not true. Not true. Then we can insert the busted. Yeah. yeah. That myth was busted. Yep. Number two, we're going to jump into this one. That sex gets boring. You're I, with one person the rest of your life. That's it. You're going to be bored. It's not going to be great anymore. It's going to lose, lose the excitement. The sparks are gone. No more fireworks. Some cases there never were when you got engaged. No, I'm just kidding. Huge myth. Huge myth. And so here's actually what we know from a clinical perspective. The data is actually opposite on this. So couples that are in a long-term monogamous relationship actually have better sex than people who are not. And there's been studies and research on this. So it's now this isn't to say that there aren't times that are more challenging than others sexually. But absolutely, the sex doesn't get boring. It actually gets better because you end up learning your spouse. You learn what works for them and you learn what doesn't work for them. Yeah. And so, yeah, the data absolutely is on our side with this. Yeah. So that myth busted, busted. busted. I don't know if we're leaving this one fast enough, right? Or yeah. We're not going to leave this one quite that fast. <laughs> but let's just be honest. If you're married and you've been married for a while and sex is boring, maybe you're going through a season, maybe you're going through a drought, maybe you're going through whatever you're going through at this time. Hey, you, it can become exciting again. It can, it can, those sparks can reignite, put some work into it, put some work into it. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I think this is, I think this goes back to sexual communication for me Yeah, is you have to be willing to open up and talk to your spouse about what's happening, what's working, what's not working, and then really allow your spouse to do something different. So, but it takes vulnerability, which we mm -hmm. talk about, it takes that. It takes you saying, Hey, this is going really well in our sex life, but this isn't. This is not okay with me. Things are lackluster. Things are ordinary. How about we try something? How about we do this? How about we do that to see if we can spark things up a little bit? But yeah, sex doesn't get boring with committed relationships, with marriages. It actually gets better if you allow yourself to be a lifelong learner of your spouse yeah. and of your sexual experience with your spouse. If that be the case, sex doesn't get boring. It gets better. I dare say any married couple that has open and honest conversations about sex and sexuality will say that 
their sex when they first got married and where they are now, if they've been married at X length of time is way better now than it was then because they're both learning and they're both growing and they're both becoming more competent with their spouse. Yeah. I actually, it reminds me of a story whenever I was a youth pastor, I had a young guy who was about to be getting married and he was like, man, he was like, I just don't, I don't understand. Like it has to be hard knowing you're only going to be with that one person the rest of your life. Like it has to, that has to be hard. And I was like, you know what? It is. And the room just went silent. Like it just went straight silent. Like all the, and it was just a bunch of guys. And they just went like, it was like, what do you say? And I was like, it is if I allow media and the public to speak into my marriage. That's exactly I right. I said, if I am constantly putting movies and music and TV shows and magazines in front of my eyes and in my brain that promote. Yep other things yep. right other women and other types of just sexual encounters yeah yeah it does get, because that's what i see as normal because that's what i'm putting in front of my eyes i was like but when i'm committed to my spouse and, and that's the person that i love and that's I'm, I'm not putting those kind of things in front of my face um it's the easiest things in the easiest thing in the world yeah it reminds me like when i was a, a kid pastors used to always say it's hard to live for god easy it's easy to live for god hard it's the same thing yeah same thing in my opinion absolutely yeah so, sex busted. gets boring, busted. This third one is one that is probably going to hit home to a few people. We all know couples that we can look at like, oh man, that was not a great decision, probably at that time in their life. Uh, number three marriage myth, having kids will bring you closer. <clears throat> As someone that has three kids, I will go ahead and tell you, it does not. Uh, from non-clinical experience, just real <laughs> yeah, life, just personal straight experience, life. straight me, this is Taylor, it does not bring you closer. Uh, if anything, it's a distraction. I'm always like, hey, we, you know what? We could be in Mexico right now, except we've got three kids, right? <laughs> um, I'm just kidding. I, love, I do love my kids right. tremendously, but having kids is not the problem solver. No. I think this happens more often than people think it does. Oh, we're having issues, so let's get pregnant. So what that can do is it can cause the two of you to have a central focus. But what ends up happening is then your child becomes your central focus. You don't actually work on your marriage. Having a child is not, it's not easy. They, the old saying, kids don't come with manuals. I mean, there's truth to why that's a like an old whatever type of thing it is. They don't come with manuals. There, there are things that are difficult. And this is just li like life pulls us apart and kids, I mean, they elevate that to a whole nother level because now then truly you have another human being that you both are responsible for. And so things get more challenging. Life gets more challenging. Now it's like, I have to walk out of the house. I need the diaper bag now. I need the stroller. Is there diapers in the diaper bag? Is there wipes? We want to go on a date night. Okay, so we have to find someone to watch the kid or kids. Do we trust this person? Are this, is this person going to harm my kid when they're watching them? Are my kids going to be okay? Are they going to be safe? And then now it's like, okay, when we go to a church, do they have a good kids program? Are my kid's going to get fed. And all that does is it causes a lot more mental capacity to be focused on other things, which is, again, not that your kids are just some other thing, but yeah. it's it definitely causes more work in marriage. And so, the, yeah, the idea that, well, this child's just going to bring us closer together is not true. No, not at all. Completely busted. Yeah, if anything, kids will drive you apart if you let them really quickly. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Really fast, especially if you haven't talked beforehand of what having kids is going to look like. 
or how are we going to raise them? What's going to be our values with our children? How are we going to discipline them? What are we going to do? Is this okay? Is that okay? Is this not okay? Is that not okay? Then all of a sudden now you're having these arguments about kids and you're like, well, hold on a second. I thought this kid was supposed to bring us closer Mm -hmm. together. I mean, it was going to make us a family. Instead, they're in the bed between us every night. This feels more like a nightmare than a dream. So yeah, just keep that in mind. This is definitely a huge myth that just having a kid is going to bring us closer together. Not going to happen. Busted. I think it leads us to the fourth marriage myth we're going to talk about is that there is a universal path in marriage. Everybody should follow. If you get married, from the moment you get married, you should follow this path. Yeah. And so for a lot, and this is what I'm going to say media again, and people just perpetuate, you get married, you buy a house, you buy a house immediately with a white picket fence, maybe. Oak and then in the front yard. you have a kid within 18 months and the husband works, the wife stays at home and everybody's just jolly go lucky and you should follow this plan, period. And that's just not reality. Yeah. And this gets perpetuated by media. Oh, every day. Where, yeah, exactly what you're saying. This is how your marriage is going to work out. But the problem is when it doesn't. Because it often doesn't Mm -hmm. work out perfectly like like this dream scenario you just laid out. And then when that doesn't happen, well, what's wrong with us? Yeah. Why can't we be like that? Everybody else is. This is what you're supposed to do. And I think another thing that has kind of exacerbated this problem is the age at which we get married to. And here's why I say that, because I think this is changing. I think it is. Like if you weren't married at 18 or 19, what's wrong with you? Yeah. Like just bad stock. (laughs) There's something like you have some weird body odor that no one knows about. And so, that whole idea just further perpetuates. Well, if I get married at 22 or 25 or 30, there's, I mean, I've already started off wrong. Yep. Well, that's why I do like this myth, the fact that it's busted, a busted myth, right? That there isn't a universal path in marriage or even to marriage where like you're going to be married at 18. He's going to go to work. There's going to be beautiful sunsets every day, fireworks when you guys get married and all these beautiful things. And then not only that, but this is the rest of the story. But when it doesn't happen that way or when you get sick or one of your kids dies or you lose your job or your parents die or any X number of scenarios, you're like, well, that's not how life was supposed to be. Yeah. I w- but the problem is you go into this with expectations that aren't even real. And so this is just all going to magically be perfect. And then when it's not... Because it's not, I think you're letting yourself, you're setting yourself up for failure. Yeah. I was talking with someone the other day and uh, they stopped me. We were talking about business and and family, just all kind of stuff and a close friend. And as we were talking, he stopped me and he was like, bro, why are you saying should so much? He's like, "Why you're saying you should have done this or should have done this or you should be here or you should do whatever it was. And he was like, who's making you do any of that? Like, why are you thinking that you should be there? Right. Or why are you thinking you should make that decision? And I thought about this here is like, man, yeah, because that's what you do. You're at this stage of life and you're at this income level or you're at this, whatever, this is what you should do because 
that's what you do. That's what you do. That's the path. And it made me really stop and take some time and look in the mirror and say, hang on, Taylor, like, where am I getting, where am I getting these goals from, right? Where am I getting this idea of what life should look like at this point? And it really put Megan's kind of journey, right? I say journey of like, hey, what are, hang on, what do we want? This is our team. This is the Kovar team, right? What do we really want? What are we striving for? And, and it really changes things. And so whenever you get married, don't think there's this universal path. People are going to start immediately asking, or they did for us, like, when are you having kids? When are you having kids? Uh, yeah. And we were the, uh, I, I don't know, right? The oddball black sheep of like our group when we got married, because we were waiting several years till we had kids. And then we waited four or five years till we had kids, which was just unheard of. And, and we had people come out of the woodworks asking where everything was like, I mean, we will eventually, right? Lord willing, we're going to have kids eventually, yeah. but hey, we're enjoying spending time together. And so it's okay to not follow the Disney path, yeah. the universal path. Yeah. Myth busted. Good. All right, number five, fifth myth, differences will ruin your marriage. If you guys are not in sync on every little thing and don't think perfectly about everything and every decision just goes wonderfully, then your marriage is doomed. Jeremy? No, nah, bro, no. Nah. Actually, I think differences are are good things not bad things and here, here's why i say that differences can lead to compromise and compromise leads to flexibility if there's definitely one thing you need in marriage it's flexibility you need to be flexible with your spouse with some of their thoughts because it's like you're colliding two earths together and expecting there to be just perfect harmony like oh man, everything's just going to gel so well. Like you're throwing two earth-sized things together and hoping there's no destruction. That's not to say your marriage is going to fall apart, but there are going to be differences because you are two different people with different backgrounds, different ideas, different families. Of course, there's going to be challenges. There's going to be arguments. I hear couples say, well, I mean, I guess if we were meant to be, why are we arguing so much? Come on, let's grow up. You're arguing so much because you're two humans. You're arguing so much because you made a dumb decision and your spouse didn't like it. That's why. It's not because you're not meant to be uh, whatever that means. It's not because they're not your soulmate, whatever that means. But you're just two different people, and that's okay. Kind of goes back to an episode we recorded a little bit ago about, was this a moral issue? Probably not. I would say the majority of your differences, the vast majority, are not moral issues. They're just challenges you have. So work them out doesn't mean you're not meant to be or that your marriage is over, your marriage is ruined. Actually can strengthen your marriage. Like I've never broken a bone and I'm certainly not a doctor, but my understanding, and I know there's going to be somebody, oh, that's not right, but it sounds good in the podcast. We're going to yeah. roll with it anyways. But like when you break a bone, that area is stronger after the break than it was before the break because of how your body heals. Yeah. And so differences, it can make you stronger, not weaker. They can. And you're going to have differences, period. You're not identical yep. twins. Even identical twins have differences. You That's are exactly not right. identical. You're not an exact clone. Differences are okay. And differences can make you stronger. And they actually create a little bit of excitement at times. Like, hey, well, sure. this is different. <laughs> this is new. Differences can make you stronger. Yeah. So, yeah, that myth busted. Which I think leads us to a great one. This is our last one after this episode is going to therapy means we have major issues. The end, this is like we're calling in hospice. Right, like we're not even going to the doctor. We're calling in hospice. This is the end. We're going so that we can say we went, but if you go to therapy, you might as well just move out the same day. I hate this myth so much. I don't understand why you hate it this much. I hate it so <laughs> much. But it's yeah. you're like it is actually true. What it you're is saying 
oh, this is our last resort. So I use the illustration all the time talking about like the benefits of going to therapy. I get the oil changed in my car, not because something's wrong. Get it changed to keep something from going wrong or to keep it at optimal performance. I take my car to a specialist when there's an issue yeah. or just for routine maintenance because I want to keep everything going as good as it can go. So going to therapy, going and talking to a therapist is doesn't mean your marriage is over and it's not only for broken people. It's for people that, Hey, you, this person is, this is going to be a great experience because they're going to help me be a better me. Yeah. They're going to help our marriage be a better us. That's the benefit about going and talking to somebody that's objective. That's truly objective. That's like when I work with couples at the end of the day, I tell them, I don't care. Ultimately don't care what you do. I want you to care what you do though. Cause you're not coming home with me. Yeah. I'm not living in your address. I'm not married to either one of you. I'm not getting the same bed with you guys. At, at the end of the yeah. day, I don't care what you do. Yeah. I care that you're getting what you're needing out of therapy and that you're growing. But what that looks like for you, okay. It may be different than it looks like for me, though. Yeah. But coming, go, just going to therapy is doesn't mean that something's bad wrong with you. It doesn't mean that something's bad wrong with your marriage. No, you can go when things are bad wrong. But you don't have to wait to that point. And I... I've never, never said this in therapy, but there are several times I've thought to myself, I wish you guys would have come five years ago. I wish you would have seen someone 10 years ago when you knew this problem was starting and you didn't seek resolution or couldn't find resolution because now we are literally picking up the pieces of Humpty Dumpty, trying to put it back together again. There's about a million of them. And you just, instead of therapy being eight weeks, now we're like six months, eight months. It's cost you far more time and far more money than it's like replacing an engine because you didn't change the oil. If you just did some maintenance, you'd be fine. But you waited until it got you waited until it got too bad. Yeah. And now you are picking up pieces. Yep. And so we're huge fans, obviously, of going to marriage therapy, going to marriage conferences. Absolutely. And I have people that are like, Man, you go to marriage you go to a marriage conference every year or two? Like, yeah. Like it's fun. I want to connect with my spouse. Well, that's Oh man, I'm sorry. Like me and my wife, we're we're, we're riding right along. Yeah. Well, okay, I mean, like we're good too, but like we're working on our marriage. We want to have a better marriage, and I think therapy is a great tool in that. There's a lot of things that Megan and I have learned through the years by going and seeing therapists. I mean, going to marriage conferences that yep. we wouldn't have learned otherwise. Yep. And so I encourage you: don't wait until it's time for hospice for your marriage. Make it just a routine part of your life. I think a lot of people get the misconception that hey, well, if I go to therapy, I have to be in it forever. We're like, no, like you can go for a handful of sessions. Yep. You can go for one, right? Yep. Like you can go, yeah. you can just go and talk with somebody yep. and it's fine. Yeah. It's an investment in your marriage, which is, it is an investment. It's an investment. Yep. That's what it is. And I think that we forget that sometimes a big part of our financial practices, obviously, I mean, that's why you and I started working together right. was, Hey, how are we investing in our marriage outside of money? Right. Outside of you worry about the stock market. You watch it every day. You're reading books and you're learning about charting and all these different things. What are you doing with your marriage? What are you doing with your marriage? Invest in your marriage. Invest in your marriage. Yeah. yeah. I want to just tag in the last thing, which I want to tag off what you said. So, because I think people have this misconception of, well, if I start therapy, I have to go for a year or two years or five mm -hmm. years or whatever. I often tell people, okay, listen, I generally go this many weeks, give or take a few. But after one session, if you've gotten what you needed, great. Like, if you've come and you unpacked everything you needed to unpack, 
whether I think you have or not, excellent. If you benefited from it, let's go. Yeah. Perfect. That's why we're here. And so, yeah, it doesn't have to be this, well, we're going to be in this forever. I tell every single client, I am rapidly trying to work myself out of a job. I want to see you as little as I can because I want you to get better. I want you to come in or not even get better. I want you to come in for what you need to come in for. Yeah. And once that's done, if you want to work on something else, cool. If not, great. This is for you. And what you've gotten, what you needed, I've gotten what I needed. Yeah. Whatever. Everybody's happy. Yep. Yeah. Everybody, thank you for listening to our six marriage killing myths. Leave us a comment. Reach out to us if you guys have any other tips or any other myths you want us to bust. And we'll see you guys next week. See ya.